This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn. I'm the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm joined remotely via Zoom meeting by my co-host, special friend, Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the Brand Identity Theorist. Hello, Americus. Hi, Barbara. So uh, today, you know, I walk into my nine-year-old's room, and uh, her name is Zora, as you know. And she has four devices out. So she has uh, a, like a MacBook uh, Old Pro. She has a mini iPad. She has an iPhone and she has a Chrome workbook. And I just had to pause because it was absolutely incredible kind of looking at this scene because kids today and the way that they interact with their devices is something that I had never thought of, right? Because I, was, I grew up in a totally different world. And so you know, trying to understand like what does patterns of behavior look like with these devices and kids? How do kids interact with technology? How do they respond? And and just the more general question of like accurately and appropriately getting data on kids seems like a very important question for marketers. So what are your thoughts on how we might be able to uh, potentially Absolutely. remedy that? I mean, that's a really interesting topic. And now I'm sure you are case number one, we're all spending way too much time with our kids, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So this has become a topic that we're very interested in. And luckily today, our first guest on our show today is Terrence Burke, who's the Senior Vice President of Research and the Editor-in-Chief of Kids Say Trend Tracker. And so what our topic is for the show is to answer the questions you have, America, is what's the impact of COVID-19 so far Mm -hmm. on the way kids are using Um, devices and not just kids but tweens and teens and Mm -hmm. you know from a marketing professor point of view the kids are important just because they're all over the place right now (laughs) they're (laughs) also important because they are very important as consumers and they're not only tomorrow's consumers but more and more and more i believe they're today's consumers so marketers are really interested in this issue so hello terrence and welcome to our show i'm glad to be here so, what do you have to say to Americus? Terrence, <laughs> please help me out here because how important is the conversation, or what, what? What's your expertise that, and how do you answer these questions? Why are you? So, I would say that Americus is experiencing something that parents across the country are, and that Zora is, you know, while while Americus doesn't want to fall into the parenting uh, trap, you know, where uh, <laughs> somebody who is a who has kids thinks that, oh, it's because my kids uh, do this, then all kids must be doing that, which is a common right. uh, you know, trap mm-hmm. that, that people who, who look for studying marketing and kids fall into. Mm-hmm. You know, when we look at the data for the whole country, that Zora is not you know, out, of the, out of the norm. You know, what she's doing at nine years old with four devices is kind of the way the kids are engaging with not only them, you know, the, the marketplace itself, mm-hmm. but more importantly, in this time of COVID, that's her connection to friends. Mm-hmm. That's the connection that she desperately wants yes. and has been missing. You know, we talk to kids across the country and, you know, 74% of them have said that they're using their devices more in COVID and, and that would seemingly be a no brainer. 
Mm -hmm. But what's really behind there is their desire to be like what what you and I want to be. We want it to be normal, right? We want to be engaged with our friends and be able to do those those things that just make us feel like we're alive. And so for a kid at, you know, whether they be nine years old or whether they be 13 years old, that digital engagement, which has you know, been a, a long-term trend we at Kids Say have been tracking for a, a long time. Mm-hmm. In the time of COVID, it's accelerated tremendously. And it's accelerated tremendously not only because their options are limited, their sports teams and their clubs have been cut off, um, but most importantly, that ability for them to contact mm-hmm. their friend. You know? And so... Partially, you know, the, those devices that she's using in some ways, you know, she's engaging with content that makes her kind of takes her mind off of, of things. It makes her feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure she's also engaging with friends and getting her connections that way. And it's an essential part of growing up. And so, you know, these devices are, are you know, an essential part of her experience now. Very cool. So, Let me ask you this, though. Sorry, sorry. This, I'm sorry to, to step on you a bit there, Barbara. This is so exciting to me because I, I want to know more about this. You hit on something very, very true that I'm watching and seeing like un- daily unfold, Terrence. And that's the idea that she plays this game called Roblox, which apparently oh, okay. is super popular. And like you create these worlds, Barbara, and you, you go in these worlds with your friends and your friends are virtually in these worlds. And you're basically interacting with them. It's very interesting. But I want to ask you this question, Terrence. What, what are you seeing? Are kids, uh, how do I ask this gently? Are, are they loyal to brands? Are they starting to, are, is, is this going to produce an Apple loyalist for my nine-year-old? <laughs> Talk to me about how brands are, are, are merging or emerging, I guess, in their minds. So um, what's really important is, is that idea of where whatever brand comes to whatever platform it may be, whether it be TikTok or Snapchat or Instagram, whatever it may be, they have to come to that place with a humble nature, right? Mm-hmm. If they start talking to kids instead of with kids, kids will shut them out. Mm-hmm. Um, if they start trying to impose their kind of brand identity in an inauthentic way for that platform, kids will sniff it out. Mm. And so if, you know, kids aren't opposed to, to relationships with brands. In fact, the brands that speak most to them, that deliver what, whatever they're looking for, whether it be fun or, or um, engagement or connection, they're, they're open for that. They're, they're not of previous past generations. Uh, I'm kind of a, a, at the end of the boomers where we used to think of, uh, you know, selling out. Kids don't view it that way. What they do view it as, are you talking with me or are you talking to me? Mm-hmm. You're talking to me, there's so many things that I can do. I don't want to be talked to. I'll swipe and get out here and, and go to a different app or a different place. If you're engaged with me and you know the vocabulary of whatever that platform is, whether it be, say, Roblox, right? Um, a place where you've not only given me the fun of playing that game, but you've enabled me in a way to, to drop the barriers that distance has provided for me and my friends so that we can do the friend stuff, but we're doing it here on Roblox. And so they are very much, um, I wouldn't say necessarily loyal, mm. because when a new a platform or new place comes around, <laughs> um, you know, they'll flip instantly. Right. Uh-huh. If, you, if you are delivering for me and delivering with me in kind mm. of collaboration, I'm there. And they might not, you know, at nine years old, she's not necessarily doing this consciously, but it's like, um, 
Anders Ericsson, um, Malcolm Gladwell made him famous with the 10,000 hour mm-hmm. rule, right? Mm-hmm. I, I like to uh, view it as the 10,000 image rule. Oh. Kids have seen images, um, and so they intuitively can sniff out the fake, the phony, ah, the, the stage, right? Mm-hmm. They get a sense of, of a TikTok video right away, whether this is something that's authentic or this is something that's been manufactured to manipulate me. Now, again, not conscious, right? They get right. the feel for that. So brands that want to engage with kids need to understand those places, right? Need to understand those platforms, need to understand the vocabulary, the way things are shot, and kids will meet them if they feel they're being met. Let me ask you a question from the other point of view then. One, I mean, this has always been the case that brands have figured out ways to communicate with kids, whether now it's through digital devices, but a lot of the issues were through cartoon shows and through commercials yeah. and cartoon shows and so one of the the what you the perspective you just took was like how to authentically communicate with kids on platforms that they understand to create brands that they want to embrace. But because they're kids, parents are concerned also. And so a lot of the times in advertising to children or talking to children, there have been a lot of of concerns. There's a lot of ethical issues of, of what brands should and shouldn't do. Do you have a position or do you take any position on policy on that or what a good parent should do in terms of limiting? Uh, yes, uh, please talk to me, please. I need this. <laughs> Thank you, Barbara. It's quickly. <laughs> oh, certainly. Well, one of the things that's, you know, we, we come out of um, an educational uh, funding background. Our founder, Bob Reynolds, was a school fundraiser. And, and the data that we, we get, it comes from a relationship with schools uh, that we have across the country with teachers in schools. And so none of the, you know, from the reports that we have, our, our trend tracking report we've been doing for 20 years, um, the reports, uh, digital and devices that got you guys excited to give me a call that's up on our website. All that's been done in conjunction with schools, in funding schools, um, none of the kids are, are sold anything or promoted anything or even paid, right? They see it and participate as with parental permission. Um, in fact, the COPA, when the COPA laws were first written, they, they contacted our, our founder, Bob Reynolds, to help him uh, write that law because of our relationship with confidentiality with, with, um, with parents. And so it is really important to us that we're not engaged in a in a kind of a direct selling. And so one of the problems for me is in talking to kids all the time, they don't they don't incorporate COPA rules or um, the inability to, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be 13. I'm, I can't be on Instagram unless I'm 13. <laughs> you know, I can't be on YouTube, right? Unless right. I'm they 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 blow by that um, wherever. And so the reality is for them, they're there. They're gonna be at those platforms. You know, um you know, the attempt of, of YouTube to do YouTube kids, mm. um, which is a great uh, attempt for the five to six to seven-year-old kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Once that eight-year-old kid um, has seen YouTube, it's like, it's like you know, the, the old line of once, once the soldiers have seen uh, Paris, how are you going to keep them down on the farm, right? <laughs> once, once the kids have seen YouTube, they're never going back to YouTube kids. Right. <laughs> so one, one of the realities that parents have to do, and 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 this is where the kind of, the difficulty is, because right about where Zora is right now, about age nine, actually, is where a lot of parents recognize the the beast is out of the out of the bag. I have to I have to I recognize that I can't control 
um, all the things that my kids are going to um, encounter with when when they're five, six, and seven, particularly because they're more tablet users, they're more in in public spaces. When they're using them at the kitchen table or on the couch, et cetera, it's much easier to monitor those things. But as soon as kids make that transition to the cell phone, parents and from the parents we talk to, it really is about have I inculcated my values uh, with my child? Have I created dialogue so that they can come to me if they see anything that's um, disturbing? Um, there's much more of that understanding that wow, I I have to approach this in a kind of in a different way, and. Today's parents, right, uh, Americas, you are one of them. You grew up, um, you know, the first generations of kids who went through this, they didn't have parents who, who could offer them advice because they hadn't been on the internet. They didn't know what they were encountering. You know what's out there. And so you are somebody who can offer some guidance to your child because you understand, you know, this medium, right? You understand its, its greatness and its, and its traps and its pitfalls. And so it really is about parents having to make sure they create that space to dialogue because particularly once a kid gets a, a, a smartphone, it's, it's the wild west. <laughs> so um, it's, is animation a particular tool that's used in kid-related content that may be different in kid-related content versus, a, I mean, I would think cartoons or animation or things like that play I don't watch any animation, for example. I don't really like cartoons or animation, but I would imagine kids do. Um, I don't know. Is that something that's a particular kid-friendly um, format? Yes, it is. And I think it's even going to be more so because with studios shut down from social distancing and people being able to animate um, at using their home studio instead of getting actors together and produce, I think we're going to see a lot more of it. Um, you know, animation in and of itself is not necessarily lingua franca for kids, uh, as we see with BoJack Horseman and other, uh, you know, adult-related uh, animation that's been very successful. But it's, it's you know, much, it's easy, quicker and easier to produce in general. And um, it opens the wide range of, you know, creative atmosphere fear with, with being able to create your universes. And so there is a thing that kids will connect to in that kind of realm of playground. But I really think it's even going to be more so because of the idea of production. I think it's going to play an even bigger role um, in content for kids in the in the next few years, particularly. I wonder if that opens up a whole new world because the rules in animation don't have to follow the real world right. rules, you know, yeah. and it's kind of interesting. I mean, for a very creative person, it's kind of interesting to think about the new world that they can create and stretch kids' minds, maybe in a good way and maybe maybe not in good ways. I don't know. Well, it's also it's also you know the the platforms and the storytelling that they do on you know Snapchat chat stories and and TikTok in that small medium and, and being able to find new ways to to engage in, and tell compelling stories. I I highly recommend any creative type to make sure that they are you know uh, checking out these platforms and the way kids are telling the story because. When you're engaged in trying to tell a story to kid and the way that they're sharing their stories with each other, they, uh, you know, back to that kind of 10,000 hour idea of they get a feel for, for this platform and what's real and what's authentic or not. And they're creating new ways of telling stories. They're creating new fun ways of sharing ideas um, with each other visually and auditorily. It's really fascinating. I mean, we yeah, just put out a, a press release this week regarding um, TikTok and its impact on the music business because ah. we're getting kids telling us that it's their favorite music streaming site. 
Oh. Because really what it is for them is a, is a kind of an entryway into music and dance, right? It started off with, with kind of all the dance challenges and the fun there, mm-hmm. but it has helped them integrate and, and discover new artists. And so the, the music industry is starting to recognize, oh, one of the ways that I'm going to engage is I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get my new artists or my, my new promos to come out in, in, t- in TikTok world. And mm-hmm. that's where kids are engaging. Interesting. You know, it's interesting because I went I went to China recently and they were talking about TikTok and we were and in China, you know, it's different. The TikTok that's there than here. But we were talking about um, how TikTok started getting viral. And part of what they did, you know, with those music videos in the beginning of those things that got viral is they set out of of a prototype and then everybody copied it. And that's part of what made it, it viral. And that was all done by design. So there was like theory about, you know, combine the karaoke kind of concept with something that's reproducible that people can do and maybe that'll catch on. There was actually theory about all of that. Uh, So, I mean, is that kind of, when you think about what the underpinnings or the structures and even the worlds that Americans was talking about, like, are there some kinds of theory underneath that that makes it, like you're saying, it should be engaging, it should be authentic. Do we have some rules for building (laughs) Engagement or authenticity or? Well, sure. So, you know, if, if I were to say, if I were to talk to about brands who wanted to kind of make sure that they, became, you know, were able to, to create things that, that were engagement, that first thing that I mentioned earlier is know the platform that you're on and make sure you're speaking its language, whether it's visual language, it's auditory lang- language, et cetera. But TikTok also didn't, you know, you know, their formula came out of seeing what had happened with YouTube and with other, uh, with other th- folks who came before them. Um, obviously Twitter missed the vote by, you know, vote by killing Vine, which, you know, mm-hmm. basically TikTok became, was like, oh, so right. there's space for this short form video. I don't know why it was killed here. Um, as you said, first China and then India, who uses it very differently than the United States. Mm. The United States TikTok um, is very much more youth oriented than it is, uh, although it has start, you know, spread to adults as well. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, I, that real rule or underpinning is, you know, speak the language, speak the visual speak the language. language, speak the platform. Right. But it seemed like there was more than just that. There was this notion of repetition or structure or like I was trying to go a little deeper on that. Yeah, I remember I once a long time ago, I used to teach at UCLA and we worked with Mattel and Mattel was telling us one of the guiding principles of toys is that kids don't see gray very well. And so things that they really adopt and like are things that are black and white, the good guys and the bad guys, you know, like that kind of notion really appeals to kids. So something like that was more kid oriented. And that's what I was wondering in TikTok, this idea that I don't know what to do when I get in front of the camera, but if you give me a structure and then I can build on that sure. structure. Yeah, yeah. Something, you know, know, plans, that something seems to like an idea. To. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, there's there's been some research lately and i'm trying to think it was a piece published in the times regarding the connection between something spreading virally that you know a a term that that has way different connotation now um actual viruses and how virus um interacts with people's connection to each other and the kind of thing that you're mentioning there but so how does a video go viral what are those things what are those kind of catch points where the, the the protein in, in the video meets the protein in the individual and all right. of a sudden it clicks it and, and then gets shared. And so, you know, one of the things that these platforms has, they have the data, right? 
they have right. reams and reams and reams. So it's algorithm based. Right, right. The, the algorithms that say, so this is what pops, right? This is the thing that happens, um, you know, in, in the classic storytelling arc, you know, there, there was act one and then a change for the act three, et cetera. In right. a seven second video, whew, you've right. accelerated, you know, you've accelerated that, um, that tremendously. And you've got to, you know, you've got to make the adjustments for that. As, yeah. as Reed Hastings of, of ah. Netflix says, you know, substitute, substitute threats, right? What's the new thing that's coming out that people respond to? Right. And TikTok and short form video, right? YouTube kind of blazed away on there. Right. That's the thing that's yeah, really I, but I, right it, it is interesting. I'm Barbara Kahn and here with America's Reed, this is Marketing Matters. And today we're joined by Terrence Burke, who's the Senior Vice President of Research and the Editor-in-Chief of Kids Say Trend Tracker. And we're talking about what it's like for kids today in the COVID world when they have four devices around and they're faced with all different kinds of digital content. How do they interact with that content? How do they form relationships with brands? How do they engage in alternative universes? Um, things like that and what's the future for all of this when they maybe go back to school uh, well yeah. that the, the trends in all of their digital content America's even with your daughter with Zora do you see the habit she's forming now as being temporary or lifelong or yeah. eventually she's going to get to go back to school and play outside do you this think is she'll true. still be addicted to her devices like like a some kind of heroin addict yes it's yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I I I'm not I'm not trying to be over dramatic here Terrence but I mean <laughs> That she's just, I mean, she loves the thing, Barbara. And uh, it's absolutely, I mean, we're trying to, but you know, it's interesting because what Taryn said is true, Barbara, which is we're, we're very much, uh, much more uh, relaxed about it because we know we would normally say, hey, you know, get her off the device quickly. But Terrence's point about there's a social thing that she's been missing that she's now finding she needs, we're actually allowing her to have a little bit more because, and, and restricting it to that kind of thing when she's making sure she's engaging in the social. But let me ask you this, Terrence, tell us quickly, um, what are some of the, because you do this incredible data analysis and, and tracking of these kids' trends. Tr tell us some of the things you've seen in the data that really surprises you or that you think are critical points that we should know about. So one of the things that, that has really leaped, um, you know, up at me recently that kind of was a, a surprise because I um, is the fact that now 27% of kids five to seven have a smartphone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's from mom, you know, for, for years we've been asking this question. And, and if you ask a five to seven year old, 45% of them say they have one. Right. Mm -hmm. But when you drill down further on that, they have one because the household has one because they have access to one. Right. Because two thirds of them are using mom and dads when they, you know, when they say that, um, but now in the last three years, that number from moms of their five to seven year old has tripled. Mm -hmm. and, oh, interesting. Yeah. And what's really fascinating for me is because, you know, looking at the developmental levels of kids, um, both their, their cognitive levels and their physiomotor levels, that um, the small screen is actually detrimental to a younger uh, kid. You would think that, oh, they got smaller fingers, they'd be fine, but they don't have the fine motor control for it. Uh, or do they have the social emotional connection that a tween has of, I need to talk to my friend. They're right. much more happy to see their friend when they see them, right. but not a need to have their friend in their pocket at all time as when they get to tween age and certainly in teens mm -hmm. where they will need that. So, you know, that number is really surprising me that a number of, of kids have that. And in talking to parents, they talk about, I need to feel that I can contact my child, particularly when their children were at school. Um, in talking to the teachers there for the five to seven year olds, it was a lot of that. 
And that was the same report we got in 2005 when it was eight to 11 year olds who started at that same number to have a smartphone. And so while we've been tracking the pass down of, of technology from the, from the time of the first digital camera and the flip phone all the way up to the smartphone, I'm really interested to see whether the, the socio-emotional and the cognitive and um, sensory motor mm -hmm. uh, limitations of a seven-year-old, whether the smartphone will ever take off. And I don't think it will, but that number is 27% having it. I didn't even think it would get that high. Wow, interesting. And so do you think, Terrence, that what do you see as, you know, as children are transitioning across age, what do you see as some of the things that, that we should be doing to make sure that, you know, we are giving them the best relationship with this technology? Are there certain things revealed in the data that we should be paying attention to as they transition from these different cognitive functioning and articulation abilities or what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, again, because we are of our relationship with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of schools across the country. Um, we know that there's an effort for, for digital literacy, like, like teaching kids about the platforms and how to distinguish and determine, you know, it's something we adults are facing a challenge with, right? Uh, what's true and what's not true. How do you, how do you uh, recognize a, a legitimate source or not a legitimate source? How do you, uh, separate something that's there to manipulate you from something that that is engagement mm -hmm. and so you know on a level that's that's you know authentic and, and real and that's why the relationship between friends is so important on these devices because that's the place that kids can recognize and say oh i know who this is coming from this is just an extension of the playground this is just an extension of my my time with my friends it's just another playground it's it's just a virtual and distance playground but I think a more formalized approach, not just with the families at, at home, uh, brands and, and rules and regulations regarding the, the engagement with kids were, um, you know, legislatively. Mm -hmm. But I think schools have a really important role to play in helping teach digital literacy and, um, you know, how to determine what's, what's real, what's not. Yeah, well, that's pretty interesting stuff. I mean, watching kids and the digital connection over time and how, you know, you're talking about the little kids with their little fingers. So yeah. But I still think about them be, being really deprived when they're sitting at a little desk, even with all these four, and they're not out in the sunshine playing oh, with their God. friends. I yeah. think there's something different, even if it's social interaction. So I suspect as soon as kids can go outside, we may see them running outside. Yeah, they, but Terrence, they, thank you so much for joining us today. And if our listeners want to know more about what you're doing, where can they go to keep up with you and your work? So uh, go to kidsay.com. You'll get an opportunity to look at um, the reports that you've talked about. You'll get to see... Um, all sorts of rich data about what happen and happens with kids and, and understand them better. Well, that's great. Thank you very much for being on our show. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.